you ever feel like you're juggling your script, your show prep, your questions, and monitoring your recording on the fly? I get it. I know what it's like, and that's why I'm here to tell you about Riverside's new teleprompter feature. It's built right into Riverside's platform, so you can have your show prep on screen and scroll as you record all within the session window. No more tab switching, app juggling. It's a pain doing that on the fly, and now you're not going to have to because this teleprompter feature is game-changing. You can pause it, slow it down, speed it up, even replay whatever you need to do to stay organized and calm during your session. I think it just makes podcasting a lot easier. And for me personally, it makes me less anxious when I'm in the middle of a recording. So if you're looking to smooth out your delivery and keep things organized while podcasting, you should check out Riverside's teleprompter feature. I think you're going to like it. And hey, you can use promo code CLIPPED, that's C-L-I-P-P-E-D, to snag 20% off of any individual membership plan. That's CLIPPED for 20% off any individual plan. And you're going to start flowing like never before. Explain something. Yo, 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 what is up, potty people? And welcome back to Clipped. I'm Eric, your host. And Clipped is a show that delivers top-notch podcast production tips, resources, industry insights, podcast education, and inspiring convos with my podcasting pals, all to help you become a better podcaster. I'm on a mission to help you start, grow, and monetize your show. Today, I have got something cool for you guys. So this is actually a replay of an event that I was a part of last week. It's called Collaboration Beyond the Mic. And in this event, which was aimed to be educational for you, you're going to hear from all of us and we're covering things like podcast growth, podcast monetization, how to launch a podcast, podcast production tips. We're diving deep into AI as well and how you can use AI in your podcasting workflow to automate some things and to speed up your production process. We're answering questions like how to stay motivated when you feel like your podcast isn't growing, how you can tap into your local community and build community around your podcast. We talk about upgrading gear and and tons of other stuff aimed at being educational to help you guys, the listener. Tons of great stuff. So I think you're going to dig this episode. It's highly educational and it's aimed to help you and give you some perspective on the things that you can implement to get you to where you want to be. We're going to be doing more of these in the future. I'm not exactly sure what that cadence will look like, but please, if you're interested, uh, head on over to thepodcasthaven.com and sign up for the newsletter. And that's my daughter in the background. So I'm just going to leave this in because I don't think she's going to stop. But in any case, if you're interested in learning more about these events that we're going to be putting on, and if you just want to learn more about my offerings, head on over to thepodcasthaven.com and sign up for the newsletter. Without further ado... Let's give it a go. We want to know from you in the audience, on a scale of one to three, Jay, you want to share that question? There it is. Here is, your, here is the question. We want to get to know your experience level in podcasting. So, you know, a one is either you're thinking about it or maybe you're pretty fresh and new in this space of podcasting. Uh, two is you've been doing this for a little while now, right? You've... You've got maybe a year or two under your belt and you're looking to level up. And then number three, you've been doing this for years. You still want to learn. You still want to grow. And you are, yeah, you're here to participate, learn, 
And yeah, you might even be able to help out a few people too. So we want to know who you are and and uh, cater to you as best we can here as a group. So it looks like we've got a good variety of people here. And that's awesome. And I say, Jay, we'll leave this up for the duration of our intros and go from there. So I'll kick things off with the intros and then I'll keep things moving. We'll, we'll, this will be really short and sweet. We're going to let you know a little bit about who we are, our experience, our business, and maybe a fun fact about ourselves just so you can get to know who we are a little bit more on a personal level, right? So for me, I'm Mark Ronick. I've been doing the podcasting thing for nearly 20 years now, definitely over 17. I don't have the exact date when I started. I didn't think it was that important to know back then when I when I started. And I wish I I wish I had <laughs> approached that differently. But yes, been doing this a long time, started with my own podcasting, then little by little started getting hired to help other people with their podcasts. And it took me until about four years ago or so to start a business to actually officially be doing this professionally. So I've been doing doing that for four years now, helping to produce podcasts and also consulting with podcasters. And then Nick, who's here, you'll hear from in a moment. Nick and I joined forces and started Next Gen Podcaster, which is an online membership community helping you with AI and other tools to help simplify the process for you. I'll let Nick share a little bit more. As for me, a fun fact... I mean, I guess I'll say it since you probably noticed that guy over my shoulder behind me. I'm a huge fan of the Muppets. I love Kermit the Frog particularly and have been known to do a decent impression of Kermit the Frog. No, I'm not going to do it right now. And I'm going to instead pass it along to Jay. I'm just going to go in order of how I see the squares here on screen. Jay, please tell us a little bit about you. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Jay. Uh, I sometimes call myself JD engineer because that's my that's my job. So I myself is an audio engineer. I've been in the audio industry since 2008, I would say. So it's about like 10, 15 years. And um, I just got into podcasting in 2016. It's a weird coincidence. Someone came to the studio where I used to work, where I used to record music, post-productions, and then I started recording podcasting. And I'm like, this is easy. This is fun. This is very spontaneous. And then I fell in love with podcasting and all the tech about podcasting. And yeah, so I produced for the show called The James Altucher Show, which is about peak performance. We have people from Mark Cuban, Richard Branson, Sarah Blakely to a whole different uh, genre of people. And yeah, my... Strength and is is intact. Anything about microphones, computer screen, uh, lighting, cameras, and audio interface recorder, I'm the man. And fun fact about me is, I'm just gonna put it out there. I used to be a cheerleader, and that's it. What? Yes. Wow. I knew that about Jay. I learned that about at podcast movement at dinner. Yes. Right, Jay. Yes. Uh, okay, yep. we'll we'll keep things going. Let's go to Nick. Nick, please introduce yourself. I was put. I was typing in the chat. Okay, I'm Nick Nalbach. I got into podcasting just in 2020, and as, as soon as I started doing that, I launched my own podcast, started interviewing other people, kind of fell in love with the medium, and throughout doing that, I met a lot of people who were interested in starting their own podcast. So. I started helping them launch their podcasts. And then it hit me, like, why don't I 
do this professionally. So I turned to helping people launch their podcasts. Um, and then, as Mark alluded to earlier, we kind of, the AI wave kind of blew everything up and we jumped right on board. So we launched Next Gen Podcaster to essentially help new podcasters and podcasters that are more established take advantage of these AI tools to basically free up a lot of their time so they're not, they don't have to have podcasting as a full time job in addition to like the all of the other things, whether it's running a business or working another job. Um, so yeah, that's pretty a uh, pretty quick. Oh, and fun fact, fun fact: um, the podcasting thing was spur of the moment. I wanted to do video, and I was terrified of doing video, and I gave up on it. And then I was like, let's try podcasting. So I got into podcasting, and then that kind of um, that's kind of where it started. But yeah, I was deathly afraid of being on video. There, I'm sure there are people that can relate to that. Let's check in with Leah. Leah, please introduce yourself. Yeah, hi. I am, well, my name is Aaliyah. I am the podcast producer at Golden Goose Creative with one of my friends, but she's like behind the scenes. Her name's Hav. Um, the basically, we focus on helping. Pod, podcasters and entrepreneurs with all the post-production. So we do like editing, show notes, social media, things like that. And so that's mainly um, my thing there. I started with podcasting about the same time as Nick, a little later, I think more like 2021. So a couple years ago, and it's just kind of been, I've just been kind of in it since. Um, and then a fun fact, uh, I have, just because a lot of people think this is crazy, I have nine cats. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Might, yeah. Some might think that. You're right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's cool. All right. Let's go to Lloyd. Lloyd, please introduce yourself. Thanks, Mark. Uh, I'm still a little shocked about the nine cats, but I will recover <laughs> from that soon enough. But that is good to know. Uh, my name is Lloyd. Uh, I'm originally from Zimbabwe. Um, I first started listening to podcasts in 2015 when I was at a job that was terrible. So podcasting helps the time fly by. And then 2018, I decided like, what if what if I wasn't just a consumer? What if I started my own podcast? And so I did that in 2018. 2019, my podcast was monetized. And that started a passion that I didn't even know I had, which is helping creators monetize their podcasts. I've been doing that ever since. Um, a fun fact about me is I am obsessed with banana pudding. Like I'm working my way towards stopping that but for right now it's a big part of my life wow okay <laughs> yeah all right good to know now i know how to win lloyd over with some <laughs> banana pudding good morning zach please introduce yourself good morning too bad Aaliyah doesn't live close to myself because my wife and i have a pet sitting business and with these extra charge for extra cats we could make a lot of money off of yeah. you Aaliyah. <laughs> um, hey, my name is Zach. I'm the owner of The Podcast Man. Some people call me The Podcast Man. I was lucky enough to grab that URL like five years ago. Um, so The Podcast Man was born in the pandemic when my gigs and our pet sitting work went out the window for a while. People stopped traveling. People stopped needing musical gigs. Um, but before that, I did editing on the side uh, since 2015, back when it was just uh, iTunes and Stitcher. <laughs> uh, so it's come a long, long way, especially since 2020. And the podcast, man, we do everything that entrepreneurs either uh, don't have 
time, energy, or they just don't want to do kind of similar to Aaliyah, you know, show notes, editing, publishing, transcription, all that kind of stuff. And interesting facts, let's see, or fact, I have been part of two Guinness World Records, both while I was in Peru in the Peace Corps. The biggest marinera dance, which is a style of dance in uh, Peru, there was 600-some couples dancing it in the plaza. And then the other one is the longest uh, raft race on the Amazon River. So survived both of those, and uh, that's what I got for you. Good morning. Happy to be here. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Zach. And let's go to Eric. Eric, good morning. Please introduce yourself. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Eric. I am the founder of the Podcast Haven, and we're a podcast production company that primarily works with businesses and brands. Uh, We've done stuff with Nike, Sony, Lionsgate, uh, the LA Times, and more. Um, My background is primarily as an audio engineer. Um, started that probably, man, like 10 years ago. I've worked a lot in TV and film studios here in Los Angeles, uh, recording voiceover. Actually, that's where I cut my teeth as an engineer, um, recording voiceover sessions. Not the talent, but the guy behind the scenes on the console running the session. Um, done Through that, uh, I got to meet a lot of great people, did stuff for like Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, CNN. Um, and while that was going on... In around, I think it was 2015, I edited my first podcast on the side. Um, and slowly that start to, started to grow. It was like right place, right time. It kind of like... Uh, the Not the start of podcasting, but early on. Um, that continued to grow. And so eventually, several years later, I, I kind of made that a full-time job and have been slowly growing the company. Um Fun fact about me is that I'm really loving being uh, a new girl dad. I had a daughter uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And so just really enjoying that. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. And before we go to Simona, I don't want to forget Anna, who's on the other side of me. See, Anna, you're like the first one on my list. So I was going down the row and, and didn't notice you right next to me. So let's go to you and then we'll go to Simona. Go ahead, Anna. Sure. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Anna. I'm the founder of the podcast Space, and um, so I guess I'm going to combine the fun fact about me and like my my journey. So I'm originally from Portugal. I've worked in podcasting back in uh, 2008 when I was studying journalism. I fell in love with it because journalism felt a little like too serious for me, <laughs> and so that's the cool thing about podcasting, right? Like you can find your own niche, your own thing. Um, and so I moved to London, met my husband there, moved to Dallas, where I'm here now and I love it. Um, I'll say that the cool thing about uh, the industry is that like you can get all of these cool people next to you and you're like, oh my gosh, like everyone has such a a different background. So that's something that I love doing with uh, with hosts is really honing in in their like unique skill set and help them better uh, market their podcast to grow their business. And so I already see a few familiar faces in the audience. So I'm so glad that uh, y'all are here. And um, a fun fact about me is that I do love uh, interior design. And so everything that I do always has to be like pretty and fun and cute. And so like that's one of the things I created in my whole setup because I was like, you know what? This is cool. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Thank you, Anna. And let's go to Simona, who will also, after she introduces herself, I'm going to go to her with our first question. So Simona, I know plenty about you. And please share with everybody else a little bit more about yourself. 
Thanks, Mark. I had to think about this uh, fun fact so that I can stump you. Um, I'm Simona. I run a podcast production agency. It's called Costantini Productions, currently going through a rebrand though. So stay tuned for that. And uh, my team and I do more than 30 podcasts on a weekly basis. I've been in the industry for about six years and I host two podcasts. One is called Happiness Happens and the other one is called As It Relates to Podcasting. And my fun fact is this. First of all, I have a few because I can't just come with one. The first one is my dream is to have nine dogs. Okay. Second one is I love dogs more than most people. I'm just kidding. And then the third one is I actually don't know how to look into the camera when I'm sitting at my computer. So there's that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't know either of those. An interesting nine dogs specifically after we heard the whole nine cat thing. May have um, pulled okay. it from there. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. That's fair. <clears throat> okay. So we're going to dive in. And I want to, before I ask Simona the question, I want to remind everyone here that we all agree, the, the group that's here today on this panel, we all agree that there's no such thing as a magic pill to podcasting or quite frankly, in my opinion, to anything. Okay, so we encourage you to listen to each speaker and what they're sharing. And if something resonates with you, go for it. Take it on. Try it out and experiment. If something doesn't resonate with you, that's fine. Just let it be. Right, just move on and and keep listening to the others that are here. It, the the key, I believe, to a successful podcast is to find your own style. And we all have stolen from each other in some way, shape, or form. But we find a way to adapt it to make it our own. And sometimes just it being our own voice and our and, a, and our own spin on that thing is, is all that it needs. Right. So just. Take what you want from this. And if somebody really does resonate with you, we've all put our Instagram handles next to our names here. So feel free to follow us over there on Instagram. And of course, we will, when we follow up with you after this, by, you know, we'll send you an email about how to get the recording. We'll make sure that you know how to get in touch with us as well. Okay, so with that, Simona, we're going to start with you and we'll see who else has any opinions on this. We're going to start this section with mindset, the mindset of podcasting, which sometimes isn't the sexy thing that, that people hear, right? They want to hear about how do I grow? How do I monetize? And a lot of us on this stage believe that it all does really start with mindset. So Simona, being the Happiness Happens host, I think it's appropriate we start with you. How do you stay motivated when you feel like your podcast isn't growing or isn't growing to the level that you had anticipated? Okay. So I was thinking about this question and I actually was in this spot recently. And one of the first things that I'll say is making sure that you're defining your why. Okay. <clears throat> I get creators to write their mission statements right from the beginning when we start working together. And in that mission statement, if you want to write this down, you totally can. It is, what is your show about? Who is it for? And why should they care? So I like creators to write out those three things and write out a mission statement with that so that they can go back to that every single time you are overwhelmed, you don't feel like showing up for an interview, you don't want to create content, um, you know, whatever the 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 reason may be. I feel like that's a really good anchor back. The second thing that I'm going to add to this, and this is something that... Um, I don't know. Okay, Lloyd, sometimes Lloyd likes to be like contradictory. He likes to like be like contradict a point. And so maybe this is that point. I don't really know. And if it is, come off mic and tell me. But I think that we need to 
like self-check. If you're frustrated at the growth of your podcast, I want you to actually look back at your own self. And are you doing every single thing that you know you should or could or would be doing in a perfect world? Um, I know that oftentimes when I'm frustrated by my growth, I can genuinely look back to my own self and be like, yeah, it's because I haven't promoted my episode this week, or I haven't talked about it, or I haven't showed up on social media, or I haven't emailed my list or any of those pieces. And so, yeah, it's easy to be frustrated about, oh my gosh, nobody is listening to my podcast. But I want you to think about why. Why is nobody listening? Is it because you haven't showed up for yourself? Is it because you haven't showed up for the content? And also, do you have something that's anchoring you back every single time? That's where I'd start. You're on mute. Yep. I know. Okay, great. Okay, Wonderful. thank you, Simona. <laughs> Does anyone else have anything they want to add on the panel? How do you how do you deal with it when you feel like things aren't growing for you? I see Lloyd's off mic. Is that intentional, Lloyd? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted Go to say it. I agree with that message, uh, but I do want to add something to it, which is just that, like, I think um, I may be in a bit a bit of a different boat to a lot of creators here because a lot of you do B two B content, um, and so as a, a creator. I find that a lot of times when I'm burnt out, not only does that impact me and like the content that I put out, but then also the content that I create for brands and the people that hire me to create content. So when you think about it from that perspective, I think a better question is, what do I need to do to maintain my peace of mind or whatever it is I need to create the highest quality possible content? Um, Brands are coming to me and saying, we're hiring you to put our ad in your podcast because you're going to come up with a creative way to explain that to your audience. And so there's a lot more at stake than just, I'm not going to be consistent, for example. Um, And so because I think about it that way, um, one thing I've been thinking about is what does it look like to prioritize self-care in a way that allows you to be creative? And the reality is for me, that means like putting out less content, right? So there was a time where I was doing like one to two episodes per week. And realistically, Maybe I need to be at two per month to be able to output the best possible work, which may mean I may not grow as fast. I may not get as many leads, but that's what I need to make sure that I'm I'm, I'm keeping it fresh. I'm, I'm keeping creative ideas um, and just also keeping it a little more enjoyable. Mm, I love that. Thank you for saying that. And I, I want to actually, since you brought up brands, I would like to dig into that a little bit because I think that's an area that still as podcasters, I don't hear it a lot from a lot of different podcasters that they're actually out there doing the brand deal thing. And Lloyd from our our group, I would say, is probably the most active when it comes to making these brand deals happen. So I want to direct this to you, Lloyd. When So you definitely have a few deals that you've done and that you're, I think, currently doing right now. So has there ever been a scenario where you work with a brand that doesn't align with you or your values? And, and how do you deal with that if if that's the case? Oh, absolutely. Like all the time. And I hate to like scare people, but that's just like the reality of it. Um, I think the pro of working with brands is it's an easy... Like 100% of the amount of money that you make is all profit. Like you don't have to split or, or, or do anything. So it's a pro from that aspect. But there are also a lot of challenges that come with working with brands. Um, and it's one of those things where you don't know what works for you until you do it. So there may be a few times when you first start working with brands where um, you're going to get burned a little or you're going to realize, you know what, like I don't like when brands have very tight timelines or I need to give myself more time to do the work. Um, there's a lot of things like that that you only learn when things don't work out. And so the way I think about it is the longer you do it, 
the less that will happen. But at the very beginning, it's pretty often that you're probably going to have some bad experiences. You and the brand may butt heads a bit. And that's all okay. That's just part of the process. That's not a sign that you shouldn't be doing it, but just a part of the journey. So I want to skip through the script here for a second, the, the outline, and ask you if you could give Lloyd one piece of advice to the people here today about th- those people who maybe haven't really dug into brand deals yet. What do you think is the most important thing for them to consider when they get into this? Um. I, I personally would say start as soon as you can. There's never a right time to start. I think a lot of people assume that I need to have a certain number of downloads to start working with brands. Um, when I first started my podcast in 2018, there was a podcast called Foreign Made where I basically interviewed immigrant innovators. Um, and before any of the episodes even released, I started messaging brands and saying, Hey, I have this amazing idea. I'm going to be interviewing these people. Um, these are all of like the 10 guests that have agreed to be on the podcast. If you add all of their followers together, it's like 24 million followers. I think it's going to do well. And just on that idea alone, without any of my own podcast downloads, that was enough for a lot of brands to sponsor the entire season. And there were a few brands like the city of Atlanta that said, hey, we can't give you money but we'll share all of your episodes with our entire email list. And so I think people buy into ideas, not necessarily numbers of downloads per se. And so if I had to give any advice, it would be start as soon as you can. Yeah, thank you. And I I really appreciate... Yeah, Nick, I I have a feeling you and I are about to say the same thing. And I have a question for you that I'm about to to go to. So if if I miss anything, please feel free to add on. You know, to, to Lloyd's point, Nick and I started Next Gen Podcaster this year and we really didn't start our social media presence until a, like a month or two ago and what we're finding is we're we're already hearing from brands i mean our our instagram only has 100 followers right so it's not like we're this huge entity and people are banging down our door we're a small entity right now and people are starting to knock on that door and we're starting to make these deals happen so i agree with lloyd it doesn't matter how how many downloads, how many views, whatever, that stuff isn't what's going to make that deal happen. It's really like what Lloyd is talking about. It's, it's really selling a concept and selling yourself, right? And so along the lines of Next Gen Podcaster, and Nick and I have, have shared a little bit that you know, this was this company, this membership community was created really out of inspiration once we saw the whole chat GPT thing hit the scene a year ago. And so we're, we're always digging into all the latest AI tools and, and showing podcasters how to use it. But I want to actually look ahead because I, I'm sure most of you here have heard a lot in some way, shape or form about AI, right? Whether it's in your social media feed or what have you. So I want to actually, instead of talking about the right now, Nick, what role do you see AI playing in podcasting and content creation, say, in the, in the near future? What do we have to look forward to, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think AI, obviously, as Mark said, has made a huge entrance into our world just this year, or I guess end of last year. And in that short time, less than a year, we've seen insane advancements in all of this technology. It's grown at an extreme rate and it's only going to get faster the amount that it's growing. And I really see it playing a huge role in how we do things. 
And this is why I 100% agree with what Simona was saying is figuring out that why. Who is it for? Why should they care? Because that is going to be the the big differentiator between you and everyone else. Because all of these AI, to, AI tools are going to make every other aspect of it easier. Your job as a podcaster is going to be sharing that story, building a connection with that audience. Because they can't get a connection from AI. They can get a connection from a human being. Now, as far as what kind of role is that AI going to play? I mean, we've already seen it from writing to audio editing. Some AI now can edit your audio to make it sound like you're recording in the studio. And now we're even getting into video where you wouldn't even have to show your face. You could just type in a few words. AI will create an entire script for you and then create an entire video. And you didn't have to do anything except give it a few ideas. So as this stuff is developing, people are going to use it wrong. I mean, all, all new technology, I feel like, gets abused in some form or fashion. It's your job as the creator to bring yourself into it. We want to use these tools to help us, but it's you. It's your story. So bring yourself into that. And that's what's going to help you build connection and differentiate yourself from everyone else who is, I want to say, like abusing the AI tools that are coming. But it's it's coming and it's going to be here. So don't be afraid to play with the stuff, understand it, and learn how that it can help you in your processes. I feel like Anna wanted to say something, but I'm not sure. Well, thank you, Simona. Yeah, Anna? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Go ahead. I was like, uh, ooh, ooh. Um, so I wanted to, to also mention, Nick, something that Mark mentioned many calls ago when we were talking about, like, you know, how to really use ChatGPT. And Mark said something that since like I, it stuck with me, which is the quality of the output is determined by the quality of the input. And so many people complain that like maybe ChatGPT isn't right, isn't working for them. So actually, like that was something that stuck with me. It's just like learning about how to really use the tool correctly so that you can maximize it. So there's something like really about just that process of figuring out like how can I use these tools for me and layering on the you know the thing that makes you you and then just using the AI for those tedious tasks. Yeah, thank you, and I appreciate that. And yeah, I think that what I have found is those people that come to me or Nick or that I hear in circles saying, eh, that AI stuff isn't really working. That chat GPT isn't really working for me. And yes, it is It is all about the quality of what your input is and what you're going to get back. And I notice that it's a lot of the podcasters that are complaining are the same ones that don't have that podcast. Why? Right? That, that Simona was talking about. There are those people who are kind of flying by the seat of their pants and then they're hoping to go into AI, have it give them all the answers, do all the things. But if you don't have a clear direction, you're going to get a messy answer from, from AI. It's not going to work the way you want it to. So it, it puts a whole new meaning to understanding your why, understanding your audience, because the better you understand your podcast and your audience, the better output you're going to receive from a chat GPT or any one of these generative AI tools. Okay. So since we're talking, well, let, let's first, since we're kind of talking around content here, and we all, I think, agree, or most of us anyway, that chat GPT and AI is great for content and creating content. Right. So sticking with this whole content theme and maybe steering a little bit away from AI for a minute, I want to ask Anna, 
if we could now focus a little bit on podcast teasers, right? So a few years ago, audiograms were all the rage. That's how podcasters were sharing and promoting their podcasts, using those audiograms with that static image, with the waves going across the screen, and maybe maybe some captions going across the screen or what have you. And I definitely hear now and see now that audiograms may not be getting much traction. So I guess the question, I'll, I'll open-end it and just say, should we be creating podcast teasers still? Well, uh, great question. Uh, I, I do get those questions as well. And I think that um, audiograms are were great. Just like anything in life, people evolve and audio, podcast audiences evolve and get more educated. And so basically that worked, you know, five years ago, two years ago. But people want more, especially with the advent of video. People want to either see the host's face or they just want more engaging thing. And I'm not even going to get into the debate of like, you know, like too, too fast. So what's the pace, blah, blah, blah. But like, really, it's just about a podcast teaser is just about letting people know what content is coming up, right? And so what that means is you have to think creatively. So could a teaser be um, a question to your audience? Could the teaser be you just doing hopping on on a temporary medium, which is like stories um, and really talking to your audience and asking them. So you don't actually need to post like highly complex, really complicated videos with a lot of effects. It's just looking back into, especially looking at like, how can you do it consistently and sustainably, it's also what's the season in life. If you feel like you're really down for creating really cool graphics, and that is what people are responding to, key here, look at your analytics. What has been performing well? So if people really love when you do more off the cuff, more kind of like relaxed content, well, do that there and, and talk talk about you know what you've learned on the episode. So I think that's a really cool um, kind of testing the ground feature that feels less pressure to what is the next thing because the next thing is different to everyone people who don't like video probably are not going to engage so i guess it really depends on the medium that you're trying to uh put that content on but also how are you feeling because a lot of people feel really intimidated to actually hop on the video bandwagon but i would love to hear it from from other people on on their audiogram takes can i can i just jump in and add one thing to um so Something else that I see oftentimes on social media when we're going to promote the stuff is podcasters will post and then ghost. They'll post the content, they'll leave the app, they'll come back and they'll be like, why isn't it growing? Why isn't anybody paying attention? So one of the easiest things that you can do is use the app and actually engage with people. Have conversations with the people that are commenting on your stuff. Go find other people that you think might enjoy your podcast and start conversations with them. Being like engaging on these platforms is really going to help one, the algorithms and all that stuff is going to kind of push you out to them a little bit more. But then two, people are going to see that you're on the platform, you're engaging with people and you're there to build connections and relationships, not just take, take, take. So use social media to be social. Um, one last thought I'll add to, to this idea is I think the level of effort required to create an audiogram is pretty similar to the level of effort required to create video, especially as we start to see like video on a platform like Instagram becoming a little more simplified. 
I would argue that if you were recording your podcast and it was an audio only podcast and you just put your cell phone and recorded a four second clip of you recording your podcast, that that would perform just as well, if not better than like an audiogram, but it would take you less efforts to create. I want to add one thing to that as well, really quick too. Sorry, Anna, did you want to, did you want to go? No, there's no hand raise button here. I know, I know. (laughs) I'm like, eh, eh. Um, So the one thing that I'll say is that actually I've posted less this year and I have gotten better engagement because I'm spending more time talking to people other than posting. So when I'm actually posting, the engagement goes up. So there's also that, that tip for you. Like you rain back the content creation. You don't have to just put out a ton of content. But um, yeah, Simona, what were you going to say? I was just going to add into that. I I would encourage you to think outside the box and how you're creating content. Social media clips don't just have to be you in video on the camera. You can take your audio and you can put that over top of B-roll footage, which B-roll is is just like video and photo that is already recorded. So it could be a you know a video of you walking along the beach or a, a picture of the sunrise or something like that. And you can overlay it. It depends on the type of podcast that you have. Um, but that kind of content works really well for my happiness happens podcast, uh, because it's the style of it is meant to be more inspirational. Right. So if, you know, there's a lot of trends, I think, and changes that have happened in podcasting over the years where it used to be predominantly this audio platform and all that. Now you layer in video and you layer in um, AI, you layer in technology and equipment and all these different pieces. And it can feel so overwhelming to even know where to begin. But I will say this, you just have to you just have to start and you will evolve and you will grow and you will learn how to do the different pieces. You will learn how to do the AI. You will learn how to do the video. Um, and there's so many tools and resources for it. Uh, but the audio piece, and I'm not trying to derail the conversation, but I, I think maybe Jay could speak to this like really quick, would be how important the audio quality still is in a podcast overall. Um, I don't know if you, Mr. Engineer, if you want to talk about that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, thanks thanks for bringing up up here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, audio is definitely very important. Uh, just having like a right and good microphone is very important because I remember back in the days when my boss James Altucher, he was recording in technically a bathroom, like you can hear all the echo, and he will call people up and just have the phone right by the microphone, so it's not as great. And then once you get into the studio, we can see the downloads actually quadruple. Because you as a normal people, you know, you wouldn't want to recommend, even though the content is great and amazing, but you do want to recommend like something with like bad audio quality to your friends because that's going to make you look bad, right? So having, um, I wouldn't say like amazing, but like just a decent audio quality would definitely help with the downloads and also help you to share amongst your friends. Yeah, thank you, Jay. And, And I've even seen studies done analytics done and shared that that support what Simona and Jay are saying. If the video is so-so, but the audio is high quality, people stick with that podcast more often than not. Versus if that if that video is high quality, but the audio sucks, you're probably there people probably aren't sticking around nearly as much. I mean that's just I'm not just making that as an opinion. That is something that I've read, found and yeah, through my own experience and through others and these studies that have been done. So it's it it is really important to keep in mind. Absolutely. Okay, so and and I want to just say this too. 
even if you are an audio only podcast, I highly encourage you to keep a, a camera rolling on you at all times. Have that even if it's in your back pocket, you, and even if you think you're never going to do anything with it, hold on to it because you can use it for promotional purposes. You can, I've had clients and I've seen podcasters as audio only. And then two, three years later, they come back and they've quote unquote opened the vault and they sell that content, that video content. It's the old archives, but now you can actually come back and watch it. Some people will just give it away and that's cool too. Whatever works for you is fine, but you have additional content now that you can go back to later and that's going to be highly valuable to you two, three years down the road. I promise. I promise. As someone, as someone who was terrified to get on camera to start, I put the camera on myself regardless and I was doing interviews. So I was having a conversation, but I kept the camera on myself and recorded it for that exact reason. And as I was doing the podcast, I became a lot more comfortable. And now I've pretty much gone all in on video and spent a lot of time creating video content. So even if you're nervous about it, just set it up over in the corner where you don't have to stare it down in the face, but it's still there. It's recording the stuff because yeah, you don't want to get 100 episodes into your podcast and be like, man, I could have had 100 episodes worth of video content. And I didn't because I was too afraid. So just wanted to add that. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Okay, we're going to keep things moving. And yes, we are collecting those questions that you're asking in the chat. So please keep them coming. And we are going to do our best to get to all of them. Uh, But first, I want to keep things moving with some of the questions that I have for this group. And since we went to Jay for some audio stuff already, let's, let's stick with Jay for a second. Jay... What we have a good amount, a good representation of more experienced podcasters here, right? And I think that this, what my question can help the new podcasters too, because I want to talk about upgrading our gear. You know, what, when should we consider upgrading our gear? Is there like a, a, a certain time period or how do we recognize, okay, it's time. I need whatever it is, a better microphone. I need a Rodecaster Pro. Like, how do we figure this stuff out? Right. That's very interesting because I've been thinking about that for the past couple months, actually. I'm like, hey, I've seen people that do a 10 season or 100 or 200 episodes of their podcast and they're still using the same Blue Yeti, which is, which is kind of upsetting. You know, basically everyone's here, including me. It's not exactly a fan of Blue Yeti. And it's funny to think that 17% of the podcasters out there uh, are using Blue Yeti. And when should you up- think about upgrading uh, your, your audio uh, equipment? It's, I would say as, as soon as you have done, I would say maybe 100 episodes in. And then, you know, when you start, con- you, you should always listen to other people's podcasts, right? You should always... Um, Think about look how what's different between my audio quality uh, than other people's audio quality. Why why is my audio sounds a little bit thin? Sounds so like you know uh, so echoey. Why it always sounds noisy? And other podcasts that sounds pretty good. And then you should start thinking about okay maybe I should upgrade my 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 equipment now. So when I say upgrade the equipment, doesn't mean that you have to spend more than uh, more money than you don't have. Or, or out, you know, out of your budget. Sometimes upgrading uh, uh, equipment like microphones, it could be just getting the right microphone. Finally, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, you should just get Blue Yeti to start with. 
like you know sometimes blue yet is not suitable for what you are doing. So let's say you've, you're recording in an apartment in New York City, you have homeless people outside yelling all the time. Blue Yeti is so sensitive, you will get picked up, you know, by the Blue Yeti. So you have to start thinking about maybe I should go with like a dynamic microphone where it can, you know, it's not as sensitive, but it's going to be sounds way better than Yeti. Not sure if that answered the questions. I think it does. Yeah. And I want to actually ask Eric if he has anything or thoughts yeah, yeah. on this as well, since he's our other engineer in the room. So go for it, Eric. Yeah, you know, as far as upgrading, uh, you can get a microphone for pretty cheap these days under $100. I would say if you're trying to upgrade anything to start is maybe kind of upgrade the space that you record in. Uh, for also like very inexpensive, you can go on Amazon or Guitar Center and buy some like foam panels or try to record in a room with like a rug or a couch or some kind of something that will absorb some of that sound. Um, yeah, you know, I think it also depends on your goals, right? And your budget. Um, but I think, you know, everyone, well, these people know that I'm a part of, but, you know, a dynamic microphone, um, you want to get pretty close to it. You don't want to talk like it's way over here. But I think, well, yeah, one of the first things for me is like upgrading this, the room. Um, and that doesn't have to cost a lot of money. And I think, because um, just it seems like you can get an affordable mic for pretty cheap. And I don't know if you need to have an audio interface. Like nowadays, USB uh, can really can really do the trick. So I think it just... I think you should listen to your podcast and how how is it sounding? Are you happy with it? Are you getting feedback about the sound? Are you noticing like some slapback that you're struggling to get rid of? Then maybe you can treat the room a little bit. Um, but I think just using your ears too and knowing, I think that's like the main thing with like audio in general too, is like use your ears. And if you think you can get a little bit better sound um, and, and you're in a place financially where you could do that, I think that's, that's awesome. Um, that being said... I don't know how much you want to get into gear. If you just want to use a USB mic and it sounds pretty good, then then you're probably okay. It, it kind of depends like how interested you are in like gear too. Um, some people don't care. Uh, and again, if you just have like that dynamic mic in like a decent room, you're probably good. That's a long-winded way of saying to use your ears and then um, kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, sorry, I I just wanted to add one thing on Eric yeah. is, is when you start editing your podcast after recording, when you start editing your podcast, it, uh, and any every time you start editing a podcast, you're like, oh crap, why does it sound like this? You yeah. Have to update, upgrade your gear. Yeah. I think, I think listening, and I think one, the one way to do that, because I, I feel like a lot of people don't wear head. Sorry. It keeps going like blurring out the mic. Not that that matters. Um, I would say one way to know if you need to upgrade is put headphones on. There's a lot of people that still don't record with headphones. And so you don't actually know like how you sound in real time. You might hear it later when you're editing, but you can make little uh, uh, adjustments and, and fine tune the way that you talk and nuances and adjust like the length of how far the, the microphone is from your voice. Um, so I think that's key too, is just like knowing how you sound. And I think... Um, if you're not wearing headphones, you can't really make little adjustments with your mic or with your room. You could place it somewhere else if it sounds better on the right or the left or, or just experimenting. But you need to be able to hear how you sound to do that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you, Eric and Jay. And by the way, I did find there was a study done by Cisco Systems. I think most of us know that name. Uh, They found that 62% of online video viewers would be willing to watch video with lower quality video in exchange for higher quality audio. 62%. It's a pretty powerful number if you think about that. Okay, so because I want to get to questions, I want to keep things moving and... Yeah, and then I want to get to those questions. So please stick with us because I promise you we are going to answer those individual questions as well. I do want to get to a little bit of the the marketing side of things. So I want to go to... Let me go to Aaliyah. And actually, because Aaliyah and I definitely, and I think most of us here do, but Aaliyah and I definitely have this in common where we really have this strong belief in community and how that can really help you grow your podcast, right? So, I, I mean, I've I've got a couple of communities that I'm I, I help lead. I'm in a couple of communities that I help participate. I find it to be a, a real factor when it comes to growing my business, growing my podcasts, etc. So, Aaliyah, I want to ask you, how can the people here tap into their local communities or a community in general for their podcast and maybe share a little bit about why you think that's so beneficial? Yeah. So I really love this question because I think this is an area that is often overlooked. So many of us focus online and not with the potential that's right here, like within our own valleys, especially for me, I'm in a small community. So I understand like that idea um, of, you know, connecting with others. So I think there's three ways that you can do this. Um, and I will touch on all of them briefly, but I did want to note that there is going to be some crossover. So, you know, if I suggest something, you could definitely do it in one of the other categories. So I think you can connect locally, um, by collaborating, by promotion or by monetization. And so I'll start with collaboration kind of like today. Um, you can connect with other local podcasters, influencers, business owners that are in your area. Um, and so some examples of this, you could have them guest on your show or team up and do a social post together, or you could even think a little bigger and host an event or, you know, be a part of an event that's happening in your area. So kind of an, as, as an example, let's say you had like a fitness related show. Maybe there's local gyms or fitness brands or fitness influencers that you could have come on and talk about it. Um, you could even take it a step further and maybe you do a collaborative event in their store, um, or a joint giveaway and, um, you could, and I, and I guess going back to the event as well is if there's any upcoming events, so you could partner and like host an event. I know Anna's doing that coming up soon in Texas, or if you're not like, you're like, I'm not ready to host an event. You could attend them. It's a great way to begin connecting and getting those wheels turning. So you don't have to be all salesy when you go, but I think it's a great way to like start talking about it. Um, and then with promotion, this, I think is just another great way to market your show. We're always, you know, the online space is very crowded, but where you are is going to be a lot less crowded. And so you can connect with places to spread the word. So when I said that these can kind of go together, for example, you know, as I was using the fitness example for collaboration, you could do the same thing with promotion. Ask that gym or that local um, clothing brand if you could put flyers in their store, you know, because that's your audience, or even putting a QR code up, especially because then you could track and see how many people are coming in um, locally. Um, 
Another way to promote, I know for at least here in my area, we have a local radio that does regular promotions of things. So you could get on there and do like a sponsor or just like try and get featured on there. Um, just even an online newsletter, like, like anything that's locally, you can, you know, team up with and see if you can promote. Um, and and when I say uh, online, I think, too, there's also local communities online. Like what Mark was saying, you could create one, you could connect with one in your area. I know where we are, we have a Facebook group that's regularly talking about things going on. So that's a great place to talk about it. Um, and then finally is the monetization. So if you want to get in the door, I know we talked about a little with, with brands, but maybe you're just getting started and you know you want to get in the foot. And this is a great way to reach out to local brands and see if they want to sponsor your show. That way it might not be as much money as like the big brands that you think of that sponsor, but it's a great way to connect with brands, start making money and get a feel feeler for how monetization works and like sponsor sponsorships work. So I think there's a lot of ways you can do that. Uh, I guess on that same example with the monetization with the fitness, you know, you could go back to that gym and say, hey, I have a fitness brand, you know, would you like to pot or sponsor that kind of thing? Or, you know, if they want to do affiliates. So really it's tapping into your communities and just looking to see if there's a way that your content might tailor and resonate with the interests, you know, in your local audience. So that I would just say it's just, you know, collaborate, market or monetize are all great options for, yeah, connecting. Awesome. Thank you, Leah. That was yeah. a jam-packed answer yeah. there. I appreciate that. Uh, and, and the last question before we head to all of your questions, everyone, is I want to go to Zach. We haven't heard from Zach. Mm -hmm. And Zach, I want to... I think that this is actually a cool way to segue because there are so many things out there to help us with our process, our production process, right? And I know you definitely have some go-to, say, plugins or maybe apps, whatever it is. What are some mm -hmm. of the, I'll just say plugins. What are your go-to plugins as far as podcast editing and production are concerned? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been trying to stay quiet over here so we stay on time. You guys know I tend to talk a lot, so uh, trying to keep it on the DL, but... Um, yeah, I'm glad to see some of my clients here too. One of my clients is a Blue Yeti user. So we're having a little uh, <laughs> little discussion here. But hey, like Eric said, it can be a great mic. And like Simona said too, it can be a great mic if it's properly used and the room that it's used in is um, properly treated as well. And if you're lucky, like Jay said, and there's no people like yelling and hooting and hollering outside. So you're, you know, that helps too. So you can tell everybody outside to please keep it down and then you're good. Uh, but, um, I, I really liked, so speaking of the plugins, uh, the, the best way to be able to tell which plugins are working is what actually what Eric said is using your number one tool. If you're going to DIY your editing and production, post-production, it's your ears and it's your ears, not only through your headphones, it's your ears through your speakers. It's your ears through your crappy little iPhone microphone. It's your ears through your car stereo, especially in your car. Go drive on the freeway and make sure that you can understand your podcast. You know, it's using your ears in different settings. Like uh, Jay once mentioned that he he tests his audio on all kinds of stuff, even like crappy little speakers that he probably got from the thrift store or something. So uh, just making sure the podcast sounds good everywhere. Yes, the car test for sure, the car test. Um, but the plugins, so, and this is a huge conversation right now with AI because, hey, can I just throw my episode into Adobe 
speech enhance and call it a day, sometimes you kind of can, you know, it depends on the voice. It depends on what's going in, but oftentimes you can't too. So you can't always depend on one tool to work all the time, especially if you're a podcaster who has guests, because one guest is going to be speaking nicely into their dynamic microphone. And the other one's going to like be speaking into like the wrong end of their microphone or like he <laughs> asked with the blue Yeti, make sure it's a side address microphone. Everybody make sure you're speaking into the correct side, not straight in, but anyway, side notes, side notes, PTSD from podcasts years ago. Um, anywho, so some of my favorite plugins though, and I, I almost never have a plugin that I just use on every episode regardless, but there is one that I always use and it's the, it's from Isotope and it's called the mouth D click. And the beautiful thing about this is it gets rid of the mouth noises, but I never have to worry about it overdoing it. You almost never want to like just automatically apply a plugin all the time and assume it's going to work for all voices and all, you know, all audio situations because all situations are different, but man, that Isotope mouth D click, that thing works for it. Every single recording and it doesn't have like what i would call any de degradation right like if you use too much of the de-esser which gets rid of the s sounds if you have that turned up too high you might be saying the word snake and somebody might think you're saying nake you know like you can overuse these plugins so you have to be careful but ps the de-esser is another really good one too and if you're diying and you don't want to get into too much of like what do I use for the the limiter and the, all this, the leveler and normalization and all this stuff? Um, the Auphonic leveler can be a good one um, if you're just getting into things. You can upgrade from there and learn about other ones. But if you're a new podcaster, it can do uh, really good work too. So um, hopefully that gives you a little bit to chew on and think about. I, I know maybe my fellow uh, audio nerds might have some things to add too. Yeah, I would sorry. I, I would say that, that I mean I, I use Isotope all the time. Uh I think my go-to from Isotope is definitely the denoise, the voice denoise. Like no yeah. matter if it's if they're recording in like a good quality microphone or good room, I still use denoise on them just in case you never know if someone's wearing a chain or they move a ton. You know, <laughs> all the little bit of noises. Yeah, so yep. I use denoise uh all the time. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you, Zach. Appreciate that. And yes, Auphonic's been a go-to for me for a long time. Uh, I love I love what it does. And I also enjoy using Adobe Podcast Audio Enhancer, um, you know, especially the paid version, because it does right. give you more control. Uh, the free version, it kind of gives you what, you know, you take what you get out of it. Sometimes it works great, sometimes not so much. But yeah, I think sometimes, and sometimes maybe Zach, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Sometimes it's cool to mix some of these tools together, right? Like sometimes what I'll do is I run it through Auphonic first and it helps mix it, level it, et cetera. And then I give it to Adobe Podcasts Audio Enhancer and it's got a better, already a better quality audio file to work with, which usually makes it a better uh, studio sound. That's what that that tool does. It's pretty awesome what it can do. I uh, level yeah. first. I, I like to level first yep. too, yeah. before I do any mixing, to be honest. Uh, I don't, yeah. that's just how I do it, but I like that. Yeah. 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 A lot of people do level or they master at the end, but then I say, 
if I'm running audio through something that's going to maybe compromise the sound of it, and sometimes not always for the better, I need to listen through the whole episode because I'm not going to put those plugins and all that stuff in at the end and then not listen. So uh, that's how I do it. I, I run all the plugins, the mastering, everything before I listen and edit through. All right, cool. Well, listen, so we've gone through some stuff about mindset in podcasting, some content creation stuff, some good tech stuff, and some good marketing approaches. And there are specific questions that people in the audience have asked. So I do want to get to these. And I'm going to open this to the floor and see how that goes. Open it to our panel uh, and see who wants to answer these questions. I want to start with Michelle. Michelle asked, what do you think about YouTube and getting your episodes up over there since it's it's the largest search engine? And these are Michelle's words. And yes, I, I tend to agree. It's definitely one of the big search engines these days. And she says, I have 276, I assume, episodes and want them up there, but not sure of an easy or cost-effective way of doing that. So... I think we've got to try to keep this a little bit high level and then maybe we can reach out to Michelle to get a little more detailed. But what are the thoughts here from our panel on getting your podcast, whether it's an audio only or video too, getting that up there on YouTube now that they're making a big push to welcome in podcasters? Who would like to take that one first? I can start. So what I would say first is when it comes to YouTube... Start with the episode that you're currently on and just start uploading from where you are right now and then make that your week by week, you know, cadence of uploading. Then what I would say is at the same time, go back through your past episodes and start from the beginning of those episodes and put one of those out every single week or maybe two out a week or what have you. So I would start where you're at right now start publishing the today's episode and then go back to the first episode um, and then work your way up from there. And I would also suggest using your show notes as the guide for you to upload the content. So same title, same show notes in the body of, of, of it as well. And make sure that you're using tags too, if you're going to upload it, because otherwise you're just kind of wasting the content. But that's where I would, that's where I would start. Um, and just to add to that, I think YouTube as a platform that's embracing podcasting more is definitely changing. And I think we'll see a lot more of that in the next year. Currently, there's two ways you can upload your podcast to YouTube. One is via like RSS feed, which would mean that it's an audio only podcast with your thumbnail on YouTube or just traditional video, just like we all do. Um, I would recommend doing the video portion of it because I think the RSS is still being ironed out. Um, and I think the... Um, Personally, I'm just not a big fan of watching like audio podcasts on YouTube, but I do watch a lot of video podcasts on YouTube. Not to say that might not change a year from now, but with what's happening on YouTube now, I definitely recommend uploading more video first content to YouTube. Yeah. And as for like the shorter, um, you know, I think Michelle also asked like 10 minutes clips and stuff like that. I think, you know, on YouTube, you can create multiple playlists. You can one playlist just have, you know, the full one and another playlist just for the, the, the the short one, uh, the short content one. From uh, from what I've seen, like, uh, and they also added a new functions where you can, I believe, on the shorts you can point the short to the to the full episodes too, right, Lloyd? If I'm not mistaken, so that's also that can also help you discover the the YouTube uh, the full uh, video side of the things. 
Yep, they are. Yeah, th- that is a new a new thing for sure, Jay. And yeah, look, back in the day, even probably a, a year ago, we might have been telling you something different about uploading your audio only to YouTube because they weren't really embracing that yet. And in fact, there were some YouTube experts that that I work with have said to not do that back in the, in the day because you would get penalized for it from YouTube. But now they have fully embraced this. They're encouraging it. Uh, so I would encourage you to take advantage because to Michelle's point, the quote-unquote largest search engine, it's just it can only help your discoverability. So if you're looking to grow it's, and you're not on YouTube, that would be one recommended way of, of going down that path to growth. So... Thank you all for digging into that. Let's go to another question here. Since we were talking about audiograms and highlight reels or whatever we want to call those, how many reels this is from, and please forgive me, I'm going to probably butcher your name, but I'm going to do my best, uh, Nam Finello. Hopefully that's right. Uh, And if I'm not, please forgive me. How many reels or audiograms do you recommend to post on social media for each episode? Is it one? Is it five? What What's the formula that works for somebody here on our panel? I can get that one for now. For um, so I think that there's a lot of uh, kind of, you know, schools of thought. So I believe that it's what you can do consistently that doesn't burn you out. And to uh, Nick's point, the post and ghost is something that I've tested myself to see what results I would get. And even if you're pumping out, you know, 10 reels a week or whatever, if you're actually not engaging in the platform, you're going to get penalized anyway. So um, what's the point of uploading content if if the algorithm is like, well, nobody's here. I'm not going to push this out. So um, I will say pick the best ones and use that time to actually engage with other people. But if you're going to put content out there, use the features that enable you to do collaboration. So for instance, if you're uploading a reel, um, make sure that you're adding your guest as a collaborator because it's going to combine the reach. It's going to combine the audience and the comments. And so um, like, for instance, on these conference that we, mini conference, mini call, whatever this is, um, we we actually put out a few pieces of content where we all added each other as collaborators. And I got about 30 new followers out of that, right? So again, we did very few posts, but the, they yield a lot of engagement, a lot of new followers. So again, it's more about being strategic versus the quantity. Um, that's what I would normally say. That's what the type of client that I would normally work with, their podcast isn't monetized, is part, is like a tool of their business. So they have other stuff to do. If you have a lot of the time and you want to test, um, go ahead and see which formats work best. Yeah. And this goes, thank you, Anna, because this also to me, when we talk about wanting more engagement on our posts, this is something that goes back to something Aaliyah said. If we are if we ha- are building and working with a community, we can ask these people, and sometimes we don't even have to ask anymore because we've built up that camaraderie, we've built that rapport with other people. And but we can also go and ask people in our community to help and engage with our posts. Right. And it, there's nothing slimy or sneaky about that. It's we're, we're collaborating. We're asking others to help engage with the post to help it be more seen. There's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. So another um, reason why community is so strong. Go ahead, Lloyd. Yeah. And just I, I just want to say this wouldn't be like right if I didn't say at least one controversial thing. So this is like that moment. <laughs> um, 
I wonder, I think as I think about sort of like success on social media clips, I think a lot of people would benefit from just choosing one platform and saying like, I'm only going to do Instagram or I'm only going to do TikTok. Because as I hear what Anna, for instance, is saying, we need to be successful. It's like, we need to be commenting, we need to be engaging. And that's very hard to do on YouTube shorts, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and all of these platforms. When we talk about the number of like the cadence in which we're posting, TikTok might be very different than Instagram. If you look at what works on LinkedIn, it's all very different than YouTube. And so I think picking one platform and saying, I'm only doing Instagram or I'm only doing TikTok. I know if I'm on TikTok, I may need to do one per day. But if I'm on Instagram, I may need to do one every two days, for instance. I think it's a lot better to know what's needed and how often you should be posting when you specialize on one platform. Thank you for saying that, Lloyd. I, uh, I enc- Especially new podcasters, I like to encourage that philosophy, that strategy, because it can get super overwhelming super quickly. And here's the good news. Okay, you pick one platform, you've been posting a lot of stuff on there, you're in a rhythm, you're in a flow, and guess what? Now you have all this content you can post to a new platform without really any effort other than uploading it, copying and pasting some stuff, and you've already built up a presence on another platform. So yeah, I I love that contradiction, Lloyd. Thank you. Uh, Let's go to... Another question here. Now, some of the ones that I see here, this could be another two hours long, right? And there's one here, how to... I'm not even sure I I quite understand. And Michael asked this question, how to grow to monetize? I mean, I I think I get some of that. I think it's two separate ones, like how to grow and how to monetize. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So how to grow. I mean, I think we've talked a lot about that. We haven't talked a ton about monetization strategies. So let's ask the panel, do you guys have one suggested way to go about monetizing your podcast that you know either worked well for you or one of your clients? But I'd love to hear what's a monetization strategy that you think could work well that we could provide today for our audience? Simona? Sure. Yeah. Why not? I'd put myself on... I was like, ooh, do I want to... Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say the first thing that creators may miss when it comes to this, and maybe Lloyd will feel the same way, is the ask. People don't ask. Nobody asks. Nobody reaches out. Nobody you know, puts themselves out there in that type of way because you feel like you have to have a certain amount of downloads, a certain amount of people listening, a certain amount of engagement and following on social media, exactly like Lloyd was saying earlier in our call. Um, the first step, I, I honestly would say, and here, I'll give you an extra tip too. One thing that I like to do with all the podcasts that we do um, are quarterly, monthly, and eventually yearly analytics. So I would encourage you to go back into, like go back through your show, do all of that, figure out what your percentage of growth is year over year, month over month, year over year, right? And then you can use that number for potential sponsors or brands or collaborations or whatever, and you can so you can take that and you can send that to to a brand and be like, hey, listen, even though our downloads are you know fifty downloads an episode, the growth year over year is two hundred and fifty seven percent. That's a big deal. That that's a big number, right? And you would never know that number unless you did your review and your analytics. And then the other thing I would say too, and I won't hog all the time, but look at your own internal ecosystem of things that you offer and sell: courses, programs, coaching. Um, and then partnerships. How do you use all the things you do internally and pair it with the things externally? Um, I, I will caveat this too. I have to hop off in about five minutes because I have a podcast interview that I have to prep for. So I will drop my email in the chat. If anyone wants to connect directly, you're more than welcome to. 
Sounds good. Thanks. Uh, Let's go to Zach. Uh, oh, 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 sorry, Eric. I found out how to raise my hand. You just click oh, that's on reactions. Why. That's why I went to Zach over Oops. Eric. <laughs> I raised my hand, man. I was waiting for your own turn. I'm just kidding. Oh, sweet. See, everybody knows how to raise their hand now. That's good. Um, I was just going to, I have my own kind of perspective on this. And I think if done correctly, it's obviously necessary. But I wanted to ask the panel too, what your take is on how much you know, in episode sales per se, or mentioning of services or products you recommend for your clients, or if you're a podcaster, how often, you know, do you do it if anybody wants to chime in? Um, Because I've had some clients who I've had to tell them, I think you're overdoing it because, you know, every five minutes they'll be like, hey, and by the way, if you want to work with me, you can do that. And it just kind of like totally throws off the rhythm of the conversation. And I've had other clients who don't even have a CTA in the episode at all. And I'm like, Hey, you, you know, if people don't know what you sell, they're not going to buy it. So I was just kind of curious if anybody from the panel had any thoughts on that. Don't everyone speak at once. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I was, I actually, I, <laughs> you go ahead, Lloyd, go ahead. No, 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 you are. I, I wanted to address Simona's point. So I'll let you go answer this question. I'll circle back. I was just going to say a quick thing on Simona's point is like, yeah, you have to ask. And this is slightly different, but I've gotten a lot of free gear from companies, microphones and such, just literally from asking. And I know that's a little different from monetization, but I think... um, And I do offer them something in return, whether that's like an Instagram post or a blog post. But I think just asking, you'd be surprised at... um, a lot of these companies have, and Lloyd, you'll know more about this, but they have like partnership. They have like a staff person that handles like partnerships specifically. And they're constantly looking for people like in in your niche or, or if you align with with that product or that services uh, niche. And, and they're looking for people to ask um, to, you know, whether it's a sponsorship or for uh, free equipment, etc. So... Yeah, if you ask, you never know. You shall receive, but if you don't ask, you you never know. Yeah, and I think just to um, piggyback to that point, I think um, like just two tangible ways I think people can find sponsorships. The first is like companies have like tactile moments where like if they have budget for the year on this specific day or this moment, it's going to be like increased. So those are like the moments you want to ask. And so if you go to like any social media platform, you can just type in hashtag ad and then hashtag the name of the company you want to work with. And if they've hired any other creators, that will all pop up. So now you know, like, okay, every March, Nike hires these people and they talk about X. And so you could email Nike at that specific time. I recently did this. I emailed Spotify. I know like, hey, every year in December, you guys have Wrapped, which is like their end of year campaign. Here are 10 amazing ideas that I would love to do for your Wrapped in 2023. Sometimes they just say like, oh, not interested. Other times they'll say, great, let's hop on a call. But this is like, I mean, if you're doing this with like one brand per day, that's almost 300 and something per year. Like you're going to get like sponsorships out of that. Um, The second thing I will say is I think there's an opportunity just to like, I, I, I think... To me, I view like the actual art of creating your podcast and then the art of getting sponsors as two separate things. So one of the things that I like, if you think about getting brand deals, almost just like a job in itself, and you just so happen to have a podcast, that's how like I think about it because um, there are a lot more moments to get sponsorship. Another example is like um, every day there's a special holiday. When it was Immigrant Heritage Month, I would reach out to brands in the immigrant space and say, hey, I have this podcast centered around immigrants. I would love for you to be a sponsor, knowing that on those specific months, their budgets are heightened. And so I think 
it it takes time to learn that yes, you want your podcast to be like the highest possible quality, but at the same time, that is in no way connected to people paying you for anything. Half the people that are going to pay you aren't going to ask you about your podcast numbers, anything like that. So you could theoretically start doing that now. And, and real quick, uh, yeah, like the, the uh, I, I hung out with Lloyd and Zach and Dylan. And I think too, like these strategies that Lloyd is sharing is great. And I think just talking to other people, if you notice like one of your creator friends or someone that their podcast is sponsored, you ask them how they did it. Did you reach out or did they reach out? How did you negotiate the deal? What are they looking for? And I think just the more as a community, we share that kind of info or what size audience do you have? What are they looking for? Just the more that's like an open dialogue, I think um, it just helps benefit everyone, feel more comfortable and also maybe like develop a strategy on on, on getting... making a little bit of that dough. Yeah. And I would even take that a step further, Eric, and say, even if you don't know the podcaster or the content creator, if they're not a friend, they're just somebody you're watching and seeing what they're doing and, oh, how'd they get that sponsor? Ask. I'm telling you, this podcast community is amazing. And I'm I'm not just saying that because I'm a part of it. It's I, I avoided being a part of community for way too many years of my career. And it was only until a few years ago, once I started this company, that, that I decided I got to get out there. It, it, online alone ain't going to do it, right? So I got out there and started meeting people and getting involved in these these real life communities, like a pod fest, a podcast movement. And it is it has been amazing to see how generous people are with their information and with the 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 things that they've learned. They want to help you with it, right? So. Please, yeah, I encourage you to pay attention to these to these words that some of these people are saying today. I think I think there's a lot of value here. Um, all right, I want to end with this question, Nick. There's a question in here about AI and how do we use it for our podcasts, right? Like, what what is it that we can do? Yeah, there's ChatGPT, and yeah, there's some of these all-in-one services. Like, what do you suggest to somebody who's just digging into AI or very curious about it? What are some smart ways that they can start using it right away? So, I mean, there are a lot of tools that have been coming out over the last several months, um, podcasting specific, even. Uh, so, there are tools like Cap Show, uh, Dub Media is another one, Buzzsprout, the podcast host. They have their own AI functionality inside the tool as well. And a lot of these tools are geared towards helping you create the content around your podcast. So it'll help you come up with titles for your show, descriptions for your episodes. Um, Some will even come up with the social media posts for you or additional blog posts. And these tools are really cool. But in a lot of cases, you kind of plug it in and you get what you get. So I am a huge fan of using tools like tools like ChatGPT, where you control it. If you want to generate show notes for your podcast episode, you can actually upload your transcript. So you've recorded your episode, you download the transcript, and you put that into ChatGPT, and then you ask ChatGPT to write the show notes for you. But you don't just have to stop there. You can tell it how you want the show notes to look. So maybe you already have a podcast and in your show notes, you start out with the three main points discussed in the episode. And then maybe you follow it up with like a, a little bio of your guest. 
and then you wrap that up with like resources and links that were discussed in the episode, you can tell ChatGPT to write the show notes exactly like that. And it does a pretty darn good job of coming through. Yes, you're going to have to fact check and make sure the information's accurate and it's not making stuff up. But the process of ChatGPT getting that down on paper for you is a lot quicker than if you were to sit down and go try to type up all that stuff, figure out where in the episode they talked about this. And it it's going to save you a lot of time. Um, that I, I could obviously... Yeah, start talking I mean, about this forever. So yeah, and, and the key there. is, I think the key you just hit it. It's you know, if you have a transcript of your podcast, there are there are almost endless op- opportunities for ChatGPT to help you. Whether it's show notes, whether it's writing effective and engaging titles, so that people when they see that title, they know it's for them and they want to click through and listen to that podcast. There's all sorts of things you can do with it, and yeah, you can even teach it. You know, like Nick was saying, you want to teach it how to create show notes in the style you've been doing forever. It's share examples with it. Copy and paste your former show notes and say, this is the style I want. If you can't explain it, if you don't feel like you're being detailed enough, just give it, feed it examples and say, okay, now here's my new transcript. Write show notes based on how all those examples based on all of those examples. And it does a really nice job doing that. That's just some of the ways that you can use it. And we're running out of time. So we have to to pick and choose what we're going to share right now. Uh, If there are any other questions we can take... Well, actually, I want to end on this one. This is for everybody. Um, This is a question in here from Alberto. In your experience, what's the most common challenge for those who, like Alberto would love to share and help with the podcast and are a bit shaky and uncertain about it. Anyone want to take a stab at this? One more time. Can you repeat it one more time? Here it is. And Alberto, if you're still here, I may even ask you to to pop up and and ask your question here on stage. Um, In your experience, what's the most common challenge for those who, like Alberto, would love to share and help with the podcast and are a bit shaky and uncertain about it. Alberto, are you there? You can come off mic if you are. There he is. I feel like Anna should take this one. There I am. Can you hear me? Yes. I am using my little son's uh, gaming headset. Oh, okay. (laughs) You're coming in loud and clear. It's working. (laughs) The thing is, uh, like five years ago, I started listening to podcasts and I really loved it. But one thing is playing tennis, one thing is watching tennis, another thing playing tennis. So um, I, I I started, let's do it, um, and I started recording. I recorded my first two episodes and uh, I don't see the light on the other side of the third. Because me. I understand what is imposter syndrome by um, what I do in life is, uh, is I train people, skills, talk to people. So public speaking is not my, my problem. But there is in podcasting, uh, to me, it's a mental thing. Okay. Uh, what will happen on the other side? Will be people bored or excited or let's see next thing or... This is what I meant when saying shaky. So what will happen after the fourth episode? Because I guess you all started with one. 
Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Does somebody I, want to take this? I can take that. <clears throat> All right, go for it. So uh, I think I'll try it because there was like a lot in there. So uh, thank you, Alberto. Um, mm -hmm. So basically, it takes some time to see the results of the impact that you're having. And sometimes it just takes time for you to find your audience. So actually collaborating with other people who do similar things to you can help you not only find the certainty of actually what works because you're not figuring it out by yourself, but you're also tapping into an audience that already aligns and you can see what they're doing and like, okay, do I want to, could that work for me too? Maybe I like that. Maybe I don't like that. So I feel like when you're just starting, there's, if you don't have clarity on your why, um, it may be really difficult to know, like, what should I focus on? What is the next thing? And so just continuing to do things for a longer period, just carry on for six months and pay attention to social listening, which is just just like paying attention to what people are talking about in the industry they are on and just taking notes of that that and incorporating that in your own plan testing things okay i saw so and so did this podcast episode maybe i want to test that and see how my audience reacts to that but collaboration i think is the fastest way to get to your point i guess did i answer um what you were hoping for i mean i, I it sounds like you did and i, I want to add on real quick too. And then if anybody else wants to, please feel free. But I think, yes, I agree with Anna. Focus on your purpose. Focus on your why. If you're starting to feel a little shaky, if you're feeling a little of that imposter syndrome, it, it, it really helps to go back to why did I want to do this in the first place? What is it about this podcast that drove me here to get started, to share my message with everybody. I think staying in touch with that can be really helpful. I think that also focus, focus on every episode, every new episode that you're working on that you want to get it just 1% better than the last one. In other words, compete with yourself, right? So what did you do in the last episode that you wished you did a little bit better? And then focus on that for the next episode. I think that we can... Look, this is... Focusing on the future too much can cause anxiety. It's it's that is that is anxiety, right? It's we're worrying about what's going to happen. It, so instead, give yourself something to something else to focus on that's going to be more productive. Focus on focus on yeah. I didn't like love how I did that last time. I'm going to make sure I do it differently this time. And embrace the fact that you're learning right now. Right? You're, you're learning this process. You are going to make mistakes along the way. We all make mistakes along the way. And the idea that's the idea. It's okay to make those mistakes. Most likely, you're the only one noticing them. And, and, and embrace that. Every episode is another learning experience. And, I th and that, that helps me. Is it perfect? No. There are times where I'm still feeling my imposter syndrome. You know, and and it's hard. You know, when I see all these, all this crew up here doing their thing and posting, I got this program, and I got, and I got this podcast, and this client, I just got to number one on the chart. Yeah, I'll feel a little imposter syndrome. I go, oh, what am I doing? I, uh, maybe I need to step up my game, and then I'll then I'll start feeling kind of lousy about myself. So I choose to instead then focus. Okay, what did I do last time? What can I do better this time? So I hope that helps. And if anybody else on the panel wants to say anything else, otherwise, okay. 
Sounds good. Otherwise, we're going to wrap up. Thank you for sticking with us for the 90 minutes that we did this. Really appreciate you. And we hope that we've given you some value today. We're looking to do this thing on a semi-regular basis. So you're on our list now. We promise this is not about spamming you all the time. This is about creating community. And when we do something like this, we want you to be a part of it too. So thank you for kicking things off with us. We're thrilled to have been here with you and we're thrilled that you were here. So thank you. And with that, we will send you an email for with a replay and all of our information as well. So thanks everybody. Make it a great day. <laughs>